just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Live Today Live. Randy uh, Robison here. Good to have you guys. I have a question for you. How do you feel? Uh, and I don't just mean physically because, you know, uh, I'm at the age where, you know, some days are better than others. I think most of you get that. <laughs> but how are you feeling, I don't know, deep in your soul? Are your emotions giving you trouble, keeping you up at night? I mean, this, let's face it. Our emotions can be all over the place, up, down. And it's it's a tough it's a tough thing sometimes to deal with. And uh, I don't know, personally, we've, I've got a situation that's just, I, I lost sleep last night over a situation it's just the way life is well we're going to talk about that today and i have a wonderful guest you probably know his name if you don't know his ministry uh, uh touching lives he's the senior pastor of cross point church uh just north side of atlanta uh and he has a new book and i love i love the title of it because it kind of rolls off the tongue it's called how to deal with how you feel by dr james Merritt. uh and this is a very very real question and a very important thing and we're going to have a great conversation so i appreciate you guys being a part of it out there whether you're live or in the replay uh just appreciate you guys support uh, i've been doing this for two and a half years now and i didn't know if it would work it's only working because people like you are watching and sharing and subscribing and following and i'll just take a second to say thank you dr Merritt. great to have you on life today live hey randy great to be with you and of course i've you know i've known your dad for over four decades and <laughs> And always good to be with any of the Robinson family. I have great respect for your dad and appreciate you being on the, let me be on the program. I noticed you're wearing a, a, a shirt there with a, a little G on it. I think I know what that stands for. We're getting close to next weekend, I think, is opening weekend for football. You guys expecting a, a repeat year out there? Yeah, you won't. You know, believe it or not, I didn't even. I forgot about it, Randall. I sat down and watched, you know, on this Zoom call. I thought, oh gosh, I'm wearing a Georgia shirt. Yeah, I'm a big Georgia (laughs) fan. Uh, We're, of course, the reigning national champions, and we kick off at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I'll be there Saturday against Oregon. So, uh, anybody listening out there that's dog fans, uh, go dogs. Yeah, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I think I'm going to have to deal with that. Uh, yeah, you probably are. My uh, Texas A&M Aggies are ranked number five, and my Baylor Bears are ranked number ten. Boy. So we got a little, a little ways to make up, but it's going to be a long season. That's well, not let what me we're here to you. Let me just tell you that I know you're not, but I'll just tell you real quick. <laughs> One of my bucket list deals, seriously, is I want to go when we play you guys in the, in the Aggie Town. Oh, yeah. I want to go to College Station. I hear it's a tremendous. Seriously, I've heard it's a like fantastic experience. Here you treated like, I mean, really great. I can't wait to get to, to Texas A and M. It'll be a great, great atmosphere. It that that actually is very true. So, <clears throat> and, uh, you might, yeah, you, know, you you wear that shirt, you're going to hear about it, but it'll, <laughs> it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump into the the book. Uh, I'm, I'm one thing I am curious about because what we're two years now out of the beginning of the uh, pandemic that really rocked everybody's emotions uh, and some people just still haven't recovered emotionally from from the trauma there did you write this during that you know I wrote it you not during it but you might say right after it was beginning to die down okay and um, it actually was a book Randy full full uh, disclosure I didn't really want to write the book it was more from my publisher but and, and and really, I'll tell you where it came out of it. It came out not so much from the pandemic, but believe it or not, it came out of politics. 
Huh. Uh, you know, Randy, I've, I've been around for a while and I have never seen so much political vitriol and tension in my 60 plus years of life. I've just never seen it. Hmm. And, you know, there was a day and age growing up, <clears throat> there was a day and age you could talk politics, you could have debates, and then, you know, you could disagree and go out and have a hamburger and a Coke. Today, you're just almost afraid to even touch the topic with anybody because there's just so much extremism on both sides. Mm -hmm. And that's just one area. And so it really is, was as much out of that as it was anything else that, uh, you know, uh, Harvest House felt like, man, I think this would be a good time to write this book. <laughs> You let Bob twist your arm on that one. All right. Uh, <laughs> now, it's not just like uh, national politics. Uh, there's a lot of uh, – I, I, you've probably had to deal with some SBC politics, too, because I've seen your name pop up in the news from time to time. No question about it. We're not called battling Baptists for nothing. And <laughs> unfortunately, you know, you know this, your dad knew it very well. But, uh, you know, we always seem to find something to fight about and get upset about and mad about. Uh, you're right. And, and and look, if you, you know, I pastored, your dad has and been in church life. Um, if you're going to be a pastor and be a good one, you're going to have to absolutely deal with the emotions of people. It's just, that's just a fact of life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you hit on, on the big ones in the book, uh, the, the, what you call the life takers. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to read through these stress, worry, anxiety, depression, fear, loneliness, jealousy, anger, bitterness, and guilt, and I'm pretty much guaranteeing that everybody in the audience has gone, um, at least one of those gone, yeah, yeah. Uh, talk us through some of these life takers that you address. Yeah, and and they really are. And again, we we all, in fact, the Word of God, this is a beautiful thing, but the Word of God addresses all of these. And Randy, I, I would preface one of what we're going to talk about today by, by simply saying this to all of our listeners. The reason why we are emotional creatures is because that's the way that God made us. In and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with emotions. In fact, you know, we've all met some people that almost are emotionalists, and I've never met a real happy emotionalist person because you can't be happy and emotionless at the same time. And so the truth of the matter is Jesus was emotional. Hmm. He had emotions. And so on the one hand, there's nothing wrong with emotions. There's, And by the way, if you're having an emotional struggle, it is nothing to be ashamed of at all. We all have been, as I told you, even the best of us, Randy, if you read this book, you just look at the chapter headings you mentioned. Everybody, I guarantee you, almost everybody that just heard that list you went through said, that's me. Mm -hmm. That chapter's mine. That's the chapter I need to read right there. We've all been there. And so that's really one of the reasons I love the book is because this is one of those rare books, I guess, I don't care how you may be the most successful fortune 500 CEO in the world. I promise you there's something somewhere in this book. You find yourself right now. You may be stressed out. Uh, you may be angry because you, your stock shares have gone down. You may be full of fear because you don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I don't care how successful you are, how much you own, how much you have. We all deal with these issues. And so that's how the book was born. And I, that's why, and by the way, when, when I did this, Randy, I told my publisher, I said, <clears throat> I do want to start off. I, I know how I want to start the book and end the book. And so I want to start it with stress and end it with guilt. Because I said, as a pastor right now, number one, when it comes to stress, Every survey I've read for the last 25 years says that one of the most stressful jobs is that of pastoring a church. <laughs> and I don't say that whining or complaining. Right. I'm just telling you, I've been a pastor for 45 and a half years. 
I've never had a stress-free year of pastoring a church. It, that that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Randy, I am seeing more people today struggle with guilt than I, I think I've ever seen in my ministry. I think part of it, frankly, I say a lot of guilt because we are have been so prosperous. People now look back as they've gotten older, particularly baby boomers, and realize, you know, I did sacrifice a marriage. I did sacrifice children. I did sacrifice family on the altar of climbing that corporate ladder, mm-hmm. making more money, having more stuff. So I told my publisher, I said, let me book in those two, mm-hmm. and then everything else will fall into place. So, like, for example, stress. We're, we are, in fact, psychologists are now just calling this the uh, the mess of stress. Every indication is we are the most stressed out as a nation, as a whole, that we have ever been. Mm. And I'll just give you one example. You talk about throwing kerosene on the fire. Inflation, the highest. Right. 40, and this is not a political statement. I'm not talk, going to talk in politics. I'm talking facts. The, the, a 40-year high mm-hmm. of inflation. I grew up, I lived during the Jimmy Carter years. I remember what inflation was. We had never dealt with double-digit inflation. And even people like myself that are relatively well off, I'll give you an example. I, I, I got a I got a salad last night at a restaurant. Just ordered it to go and took it home. Eleven dollars yeah. for some salad and tomatoes and a little bit of grilled chicken. It was eleven dollars salad. I, I told Teresa, I said eleven bucks. I just ordered a salad. It affects everybody. That adds to stress. It's yeah. just it's a stressful situation. Yeah, yeah. No, that is a big one, and it's nice to see the 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 psychology catch up with the scripture because this is something like you say that that Jesus addressed a long time ago and you know he told us you know look this you know the sparrows don't worry about this or that uh and in the one of paul's letters he says you know don't don't worry about these things well we shouldn't be anxious about things but yet just as you said there are things we should be concerned about how do we how do we have a proper balance of being concerned for the things that we should be concerned about that need addressing that may need change in our own lives that we may need to talk to someone else about as opposed to worry because that's a fine line sometimes it is a fine line it's an excellent question too by the way and this, this is what i would say you're exactly right we should all be concerned whether it's for poverty homelessness um you know uh, uh orphans uh there's so many things to be concerned about here's where you cross the line and, and, and this is going to sound very harsh. By the way, let me just tell your tell the listening audience, my Achilles heel, in, in, you know, as far as these emotions go, is worry. My mom was a worry wart. Mm-hmm. I'm a worry wart. I, I admit it. I hate it. Worry is a sin. But I'll tell you a thought I had as I was writing this book, uh, Randy. If, if people would begin to think about worry in this way, it may help them. Worry is the ultimate insult to God. Mm-hmm. And here's why. If I'm truly worried about something, here's what I'm really saying to God. You can't handle this one. Mm. Now, I would say to anyone out there listening, if you really face a situation that God can't handle, you better be worried. I'd be worried. I don't know what else to tell you to do except worry. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. There's not a situation that God can't handle. Not, Not one. As a matter of fact, God's already promised no matter how bad it looks, ultimately, when the day is over, the sun is set, the smoke is cleared, He's going to work everything out, Randy, for our good and for his glory. Well, if you believe that, why should you worry? And so it is the ultimate insult because what you're really saying is, you know what? I know you can handle this, and I know you can handle that, 
but I don't believe you can handle this. Well, guess what? If he can't handle it, I sure can't handle it. Well, if there's something that nobody can handle, we ought to be worried. But because there is a God in heaven who can do anything, we should never worry. I think in fairness that most people would say, no, I know God can handle everything. I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't think I can handle it. Right. And that's what people worry about. Um, and I think I think I know the, the remedy for that, but I'm curious to, to hear if you have anything well, to address that. I'll, I'll give you a good example, a, a classic. You're right. You're exactly what you said. The problem is they say they know, I know God can handle it. Yeah, but do you really believe it? And it's the old saw of, you know, you've heard the old story about the uh, the expert tightrope walker who looked at the crowd and said, how many of you know I can walk across this chasm without falling? Everybody raised their hand. Mm -hmm. How many of you will get up here with me? Nobody did. Right. They knew it, but they really didn't believe it. Because what we truly believe, we live. Otherwise, it's just talk. So what we do is we take a worry. And I've had people say this. I've had people say, I'll say, you need to really let go and give that worry to God. Oh, well, I have done that. Well, wait a minute. Well, then why are you still worried? Mm -hmm. What you really told me is, I, I, I really, but you really, really haven't given it over to God. And until you make that act of the will where you don't just say, oh, I know you can handle it. Or even I believe you can handle it. But you know what, Lord? It's yours. You handle it. And I'm going to live with the peace that you can. It'll never happen. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of people and I know you have as a pastor, you have too, yep. who have been in situations that they never wanted to be in, never imagined they'd be in, uh, and they totally couldn't handle on their own. And that's when they found out that they needed God and that God would show up for them. And that dependency in retrospect, these people, so many people have told me that that experience of total dependency on God was a huge blessing in their lives. You know, Randy, the old cowboys, you, you, you're you from Dallas, so you're out west. The old cowboys, as you know, they made a living driving cattle, okay? And they had different ways to drive cattle. They could they could use, you know, the lariat. They had certain calls, this kind of thing. I believe in the same way, worry is a tool in God's hands to drive us to him, to drive. Look, Randy, <clears throat> it's real easy to say you trust God when things are going good, Right. When everything's coming up, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Put it this way. It's a lot easier for me to preach Romans 8, 28 when things are going good in my life than when they're not going good in my life. I, I get it. I've been there. I know exactly where some of your listeners are. But at the same time, I've also learned, as you just said, one of the great things about worry, the silver lining in the dark cloud of worry is it's a tool that God wants to use to drive you to him, to truly trust him and live like you do. Yeah. And that brings me to the second part of Dr. Merritt's book, How to Deal with How You Feel, which is uh, once we get past the life takers, we have the life givers. And that's really, you know, if you're in a spot right now where you feel the life being sucked out of you, you got to get to the second half of the book. So, um, I don't know, you want to you pick up on any one of these? Because these are all good. I mean, faith, joy, gratitude, contentment. I, mean, I think gratitude, we could talk the rest of the time on gratitude. Uh, but ultimately, hope is where we, we want to be. Um, talk us through some of these life yeah. givers. You, that... you've hit, well, you've actually hit the two or three I'd like to talk about. <laughs> okay, let's, go for it. <laughs> let's take first, because we're, we're really faith. Let's take faith first, because you really kind of touched on that. 
You know, um, one of the one of the scripture verses we've all done this, Randy, but I think there's a lot of scripture verses. I call them speed bump verses. We kind of blow over them, and we don't pay that much until we see them. We know they're there. We even know what they look like. We don't think a lot about them. Well, one of those speed bump verses to me is Hebrews 11, where it says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." Hmm. So let me tell you what that means. That means God is saying to us, you know, James, I don't care how great a sermon you preach. I don't care how much money you give to the church. I don't care how many people you win to Christ. I don't care what a good dad or husband you've tried to be. If you don't really trust me for everything, if you don't really put your complete faith in me, not in your, not in your bank account, not in your job, not in your church, not in your family, if you don't truly put your faith totally in me, you displease me. I am not pleased with you. And that was a real eye-opener for me because as I point out in this chapter on faith, that when, when we talk about believing in God, unlike the new atheism, Randy, we don't believe in God in spite of the evidence. We believe in God because of the evidence. As I've lived my life, I've been a believer since I was nine years old, and I've learned not just by experience, but even more importantly by God's revelation to see has moved in my life. I believe in a God that is reasonable. This is a God that not only makes sense, this God does not call for blind faith. We have the solid rock of an empty tomb. Mm -hmm. We have the solid rock of changed lives. We have the solid rock of the word of God. We, we have solid, so he's, he's reasonable, which also tells me I believe in a God that's real. This God is real. You know, one of the things that, that Hebrews says that I always love is Hebrews talks about the fact that you know, just like a, 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 a house has a builder, so did this world. That's why I'm always, just to chase a rabbit real quick, I'm always mesmerized by people who, if, if, if you were to come to my church and you were to say, hey, Doc, uh, how did your church get here? And I said, Randy, you're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> About two blocks down the road, there was a Home Depot, <laughs> and they had an explosion. And this church just popped up. A PhD at Harvard would say, You've lost your mind. But if I say that there's a God who spoke a world into existence, that behind this world, there's a designer, there's an architect, there's a builder. People look at you like you're crazy. No, the heavens declare the glory of God. So he, he's, he's real. And then most importantly, I believe in a God who is reliable. You know, one of the great things about, about God, Randy, that's not true of us. I can tell by talking to you, you're seriously, I know you come from good roots. You're a man of integrity. I have no doubt you're a good husband, good father, pay your taxes, you're honest. If I needed you to do something, you could do it, you could do it. I, I have no doubt about that. But I guarantee you, if I were to ask Randy Robinson one question, Randy, you're, everybody's listening, so don't lie. Randy, have you ever made a promise you didn't keep? I know the answer to that question. Because, sure. Randy, we've all made promises we didn't keep. God is the only being in the universe that has an eternal, perfect record. God has never made a promise. He either hasn't kept, doesn't keep, or won't keep. Mm. So when I just take that one promise, we talk about it over and over and over. Everything that happens to me, when I get to the end of my life and we get to heaven, we're going to look back and God's probably going to take time to show everyone. You know, you wondered why that happened to you. You wondered why I allowed that to come into your life. And we're going to go, now I see it. Because the truth of the matter is, if we were all truly God, Randy, we'd do exactly what God does because God always does what is right and God always does what's best. So you're, you're throwing out some 
sort of fundamental life building foundational things. And in today's society, I mean, obviously, if you're not a Christian, you you don't recognize God's authority. You may believe that, sure, maybe maybe a God exists, but whatever. And even in the church community, I find that that sometimes we get away from these foundational truths, right? The the the, the faith, the the holding to the promises, the the hope that that, that Scripture gives us. Um, and when we don't build on those solid foundations, that's when our emotions can really come in and from day to day become that quicksand, that that shifting foundation. And I see that a lot. And I'm curious if you're seeing this, not just in the culture, but even in your community, maybe even in your church, where we're letting how we feel about whatever issue or about ourselves or what's going on with our circumstances dictate uh our lives as opposed to the things you were just just discussing which are foundational promises and truths in scripture do you see the effects of building our house on the sand randy you don't even know how brilliantly you've set me up if i was in your studio i'd hug your neck right now (laughs) i'm going to make a statement it's going to sound extremely simplistic but really it's true at the root of all of our emotional problems is the failure to think biblically. Yeah. We don't think biblically. So let me give an example. I'm, I'm a Matthew 18 guy. I'm real big on Matthew 18. A lot of your students, listeners, say, so what is a Matthew 18 guy? Jesus said, if, you're, if, if your brother sins against you, it's not hard. This is not rocket science. Go to your brother. Go see your brother. Here's what we tend to do. Somebody does us wrong. Who do we go to? We don't go to him. We start talking about him behind their back. Twitter. You're not going to believe what this guy did to me. We get angry. Then we get bitter, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then we sulk. And then we pout. And then we do everything we can to destroy this person's reputation. Jesus says, time out. Wait a minute. Just go first go to him. Go to him first. Now, if it doesn't work out, take someone with you. If that doesn't work out, then, then, then go to the church. But, but my point is this. We don't think biblically. So people are bitter. And so they'll say, yeah, you know what, you know what, Pastor, it's real easy for you to tell me not to be bitter. You don't know what that person has done to me. You know what? You're right. I don't. But let me tell you what I do know. I do know what you and I did to Jesus. And he forgave us. And if he forgave us, how can you not forgive him? We don't, like to your point, I'm making your point, right? we don't think biblically. Mm-hmm. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of, uh, and of sound mind. If God could take the worst thing that's ever happened, he don't really get this. The worst thing that's ever happened in the history of this world is when God's perfect son was crucified and murdered for our sins. And what did God do? God took the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the world and turned it out for the best thing that can happen to anybody. That's why, you know, you think about this. What do we call the Friday before Easter? We call it Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Why do we call it Good Friday? Why don't we call it Bad Friday? Isn't that the Friday Jesus got crucified? Yeah, well, that's a pretty bad deal, isn't it? Well, it was, but here's why it's good. Because Jesus did what he did so that we could have what we have. Yeah. And so when you begin to think biblically, it turns emotions on its head, if that makes sense. It does. I had a guest last week, Danielle Strickland, who said something that I've thought about like all weekend. She said that the cross wasn't a tragedy. It was a strategy. I thought, right. Wow. Okay. That, that 
takes on a whole different perspective. That's exactly right. I do want to ask you about one thing because you you talk uh, very real in your book and about mental health, uh, about counseling, and these are personal issues to you. Yeah. These have been, as you know, you, these have in the past been stigmatized. I think it's great that we're talking about it more openly today. Uh, and, and pastors like yourself, even in some tr- pretty traditional denominations, are speaking openly about mental health and the the uh, the healing that can come through counseling. I think Christian counseling is important. Yes. Number one, why did you decide to address some of this? And number two, what do you what do you want people to know about it? Yeah, you know, ultimate really, and, and full disclosure, this didn't come about because I feel like I need to deal with this. I found out years ago, my, one of my sons told me about it. There's a beautiful place out in Colorado that does um, Christian ca- marital counseling. Mm-hmm. And mar- I call it marital tune-ups. So about, I don't know, Ray's been, I don't know, gosh, 10, 12, 14 years ago. But Teresa and I have always had a great marriage. Now, we're like everybody else. You know, we don't, we've had our ups and downs. We've had a great marriage. But we had never, we, we, we got married 46 and a half years ago, and premarital counseling was, you know, hey, you guys love Jesus? Okay, you're good to go, Right. Right. We didn't take tests. We didn't do any of this stuff. <laughs> right. So on our own, we just decided, let's go out and spend a week just for tuna. That's what it was. It was a tuna. Told our church to do it. Told us why. We're not having, we're not having trouble. It was in that, that this biblical, and I do believe in biblical. And when I say therapy, I believe in biblical counseling. That's really my preferable term. Yeah. But anyway, this counselor began to ask questions that I didn't know was going to be asked. And things began to come out. And that's kind of how on a tangential way I've dealt with things, right? To the point to where I told my boys unashamedly, I, several years ago on Christmas Eve, we're getting, and I, I told the boys downstairs, I started weeping. I said, boys, I want, I, I want to ask your forgiveness. And they thought, what in the world have you done? And in fact, one of them thought I'd been unfaithful to Teresa, which I almost whipped him when he said that, when he thought. But I said, I, I spanked you guys in anger mm. and I was not patient with you at times. I was too hard of a disciplinarian. Mm. I'm sorry. I wish I could do it again. I, and I did in tears. I begged. And now they all say, oh, dad. I said, no, no, no. I was wrong. Because that's the way my dad did with me. Mm. And I said, I was wrong. So my point is, it was out of that. And I would say to those who are listening, I do believe the ultimate solution to all of our problems is found in the Word of God. But I also believe that God does use p- Christian people who've been called to this kind of work. Don't be ashamed to go to good Christian biblical counselors. Don't, I'm not ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed to do it. It can be a big help to you. No doubt about it. And uh, it, it it's significant that leaders like you say that openly. Uh, because, you know, it, confess your sins one to another, not so that you may be forgiven. It's God who forgives us, although there are times we need to ask forgiveness from each other. But my point is that is, is the rest of the sentence is so that you may be healed. Exactly. And, and I think even just what you're talking about, saying to your kids, you know, look, you weren't asking for their forgiveness so much, but you were admitting that you missed it. Not that you had That's done it. something uh, overtly wrong. You were intending to do wrong. You just missed the mark, which is one of the definitions of, you know, sin in the, in scripture. I, I missed the mark there, and you, you acknowledge it. I'm curious, what did you see any change, or was was this more for you? You think God helping you set things right, or did there? Was some dynamic change in your family? I'm just curious. You know, not no. It was a dynamic change. I, I tell you what did happen, Randy, and and I wasn't looking for this, and and it's something that we still start to struggle. It's just a, it's just a difference. 
my three of my boys would. In fact, I told Jonathan this. Week, Jonathan's at my house the other day. As I talk, told Jonathan the other day, I said, Jonathan, here's where we are, and there's nothing you can do about it. You think I'm a better dad than I thought I was? I think I'm a worse dad. Was a worse dad than you think I was. And I said, that's just because I'm the dad. I'm the one that's got the regrets. So, but, but what did come out of it was, and I didn't do it for this reason. I think that my, my boys really did understand, you know, dad, you really, and we knew you loved us, but we, we, we are appreciative that, you know, you didn't have to do this. It wasn't something they expected, but it made them realize more, you know, dad, you really do love us and care for us. And, you know, but, but don't feel guilty. You really were a great dad. And so that's, it was, it was a sweet thing. It was a good thing. I, I got it. You, you, you mentioned Jonathan and I know that there's been some, uh, some people have been unkind and there's been some controversy. Uh, I go to the scripture and how many times did Jesus say love one another? There seems to me to be a, a real stress that we love each other doesn't mean we always agree with each other it doesn't mean we excuse things that are unbiblical um what what have you had to work through in some of those areas if you don't mind talking about it and if you don't don't mind at all i I welcome it very much well this may surprise you obviously from the time that jonathan told us things i had to work through some of those things obviously Mm -hmm. uh I have anybody that knows me knows, and I don't have to defend myself. I've not changed my theology one iota. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that any sex, any kind of sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is a sin. Make that unaccountable. I mean, I, I, I know I, in my heart, I know what the Word of God teaches. The thing I have learned is number one, if you love someone unconditionally, mm-hmm. which I do love my son unconditionally. Mm-hmm doesn't mean that we agree on everything. It doesn't mean I will approve or accept anything. We've had those conversations. But the one thing we do know is no matter what, uh, kind of like, and not that he's a prodigal, but kind of like the prodigal father. Uh, in fact, I just sent him a text. I sent you brought it up. He was in my house three or four days and he just went back to New York. Sent him a text and I said, hey, son, I know you don't know, don't have to, I have to tell you this, but I think you know there's one place on this planet where the door's always unlocked. The porch lights on, you always have a bed, and you'll always come to somebody that loves you more than anybody loves you in the world. That's your home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that's a crime, I'm a criminal. If that's a felony, I'm a felon. And uh, I love my son the way God loves me, unconditionally. God doesn't approve everything I do, Randy, and doesn't accept everything I do and convicts me when I do wrong. But that his love is not dependent. So I can't do anything so good. It'll make God love me more or so bad it'll make God love me less. My son's in the same position. And so, uh, you know, there are people out there, you know, I don't follow them much. They're unkind. And there are some people out there that the, the one thing they love to do is see public spats and public disagreements. Right. It's just never going to happen. Uh, all they're going to see out of me is, is both pu- publicly is love for my son. And even though my son and I might have a conversation time to time to peel paint, so we'll pull, peel paint off the wall, we both know at the end of the day, I've got your back, you've got mine, I love you, you love me. And that's going to be true to the day that we die. You mentioned the the story of the prodigal son. I really think it's more of a story of of the father of the prodigal son. You're right. I agree with that because it Jesus shows. Yeah, it it, it shows oh. us how much God loves us when we're in our own pit, or when we're, you know, out squandering the inheritance or whatever. Uh, yeah. I, 
I don't think God will ever go, you know what, James Merritt, you loved too much. I, that's a risk I'm willing to take, to love Amen. too much. Amen. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I'm not taking a shot at anybody, but since you brought up the whole parable, uh, <laughs> I've also, I, let's just say I'll leave it at this. I've seen what elder brothers look like. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we, I think we both have. <laughs> yes, sir. And, and we've probably been the older brother at times. Yeah, I, I'm guilty as charged, Randy, sure. Uh, and, 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 and I think that's why you just got to go back to the words of Jesus and go, okay, I'm going to really build my life on this foundation because, you know, we get, it, it's people, man. People are people. And, oh, what do we do with this? Well, I think love is a good place to, to fall back to. Uh, and, and then to get back to just the foundational things that, that Jesus taught. And yeah. as long as we're moving in that direction, I, th I think I think God's grace is enough for us. No doubt. And, Randy, I, I, don't, I know our time is short, but I do want to say this. We, just real quickly, you know, the next two I talk about is joy and gratitude. I just want to say to those who are listening today, we we so we do two things. Number one, we confuse happiness and joy. They're two different things. The Bible never tells us to be happy. And I'll tell you why. You can't make somebody happy. I mean, Randy, if you're sad right now, I can't say, Randy, be happy. I can't make you be happy. You cannot choose to be happy because your happiness depends upon what happens. So if what happens is bad, you're not going to be happy. But you can choose to be joyful. That's why, that's why the, the Bible does not say be happy in the Lord. It says rejoice in the Lord always. So number one, I'd say you can choose to be joyful. Yeah. Second thing is I, I can't even, I, I, to me, one of the greatest chapters in the book is on gratitude. Yeah. Just there, there is an antidote, Randy. There is a medical healing to being grateful that you can't even buy at a drugstore. Yep. When you get up, there's a reason why the Word of God says, be thankful in all things. Not for, but in all things. Be thankful. And I'm telling you, uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, my mentor, used to say, there are only two kinds of people in the world. You're either humbly grateful or you're grumbly hateful. <laughs> I want to choose to be a humbly grateful person. It's an attitude that you choose, and your attitude determines your altitude. Yeah, and I lo always love me some Adrian Rogers. Come on. Man. Yes, sir. All right. I want to show people your website real quick. This yeah. is touchinglives.org. Mm -hmm. uh, and just as we cap it off here, just tell people what they find on the website because I want them to see all that you got going on. Yeah, that's that's our media ministry, and, and we're on television on TBN like your dad is uh, every Sunday morning at 8.30. They can find old sermons. They can find resources, all kinds of resources there. And, uh, you know, we're on in 122 countries around the world, and God's been so good and blessed us. And But any, if you have a question, you can email TL, and you can ask me a question. We always respond, and I appreciate you giving me the shout-out. Absolutely. And uh, I'll show you guys the book on the way out of here. But, Dr. Merritt, I want to say thank you to you for your candidness, uh, for your encouragement, and for taking a little bit of time to share with our audience. I appreciate you, man. I really do. Brother, honestly, honored to be with you. And again, please remember me to your mom and dad. Give them my best. <laughs> I, I will do that. <laughs> I thank you for that. Appreciate you guys out there watching. Check out how to deal with how you feel wherever you get books. Wouldn't and come back with the Lord? for more Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time. I confess my sin. No longer will I rely upon my goodness, upon my personality, but Lord, I just come as a bankrupt sinner.
anything, Lord, have mercy on me.